Welcome, folks, to another edition of Opinions All Day. And this week, I will be covering, comparing the Chargers to the projected AFC playoff teams, why Scoot Henderson will win Rookie of the Year, LeBron James announced he is not retiring. Shocker. I'll share my thoughts on Deion Sanders' first season at Colorado. But I start off the show once again with Austin Eckler, Mr. Two-Face himself, making more self-centered comments, this time about being underpaid. And he was on the Rick Eisen show last week, and he said, quote, if I'm looking at some of the backup receivers out here that are still making more than me, that's going to piss me off, right? I'm a little bit like, okay, wait a minute. So you're telling me these people are the number three receivers and they're going to make more than me and I'm the starter. I get more carries. I touch the ball more. I have more of an impact, end quote. Austin Eckler needs to shut up and quit talking because this offseason, he is on a roll. Because it started off with, at Super Bowl week, when he's on national television, throwing the team underneath the bus, washing his hands of that disaster that was the wild card game, talking about, we could have played better, quarterback should have played better, the whole rest of the team should have played better, blah, 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 trying to distance himself from that train wreck that was that despicable football game. And now he's talking about complaining about not being the highest paid player on the team, wanting more money than the third best receiver. Meanwhile, in that playoff game, Austin Eckler had, what was it? Oh, 13 carries, 35 yards, two touchdowns that were within five yards because Asante Samuel Jr. played his heart out having three interceptions. Austin Eckler is delusional. He requested a trade. The Chargers granted it to him. They said, okay, Austin Eckler, go find yourself a damn trade partner. Did anyone trade for Austin Eckler? How many teams called up and asked the Chargers, yeah, we want Austin Eckler? None. Free agency came and gone. The draft came and gone. And no NFL team called up and said, we want him. Do you want to know why, Austin Eckler? Because the NFL is a passing league. It's about quarterbacks and wide receivers. There's a reason why the Chargers are paying Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Joshua Palmer, Justin Herbert, the offensive line, Rashawn Slater, Corey Lindsey. There's a reason why we pay those guys over you because running backs are expendable. You can replace them. This is not the eye of the, the wishbone eye formation time frame when running backs were more important. The last important running back was Adrian Peterson. The only running back that matters nowadays is Derrick Henry. Everyone else is replaceable. Is this guy delusional? Like there's a reason why the wide receivers make a lot of money. Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Tyree Kill, A.J. Brown, Cooper Cup, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, D.J. Moore, Stephon Diggs, Amari Cooper, Debo Samuel, D.K. Metcalf, 
Odo Beckham Jr., Mike Evans. There's a reason why those guys make a lot of money. There's a reason why quarterbacks make a lot of money. Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, they're going to be getting paid at some point. Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, they all have gotten paid. It's a quarterback wide receiver league. You run the ball nowadays just to keep the defense honest. You can replace running backs. And to rem- and if I remember correctly, just, um, Austin Eckler wasn't exactly amazing. He only had two games over 100 yards. 173 against the Browns. 122 against the Rams. And he was pathetic in that wild card game. Again, he's trying to make it about himself. So you're telling me the Chargers, Austin Eckler, should value you more than Joshua Palmer? Because he's technically the third receiver on the team. That's a joke. You think the Chargers should um, value Quentin Johnston below you? Nope, not happening. I mean, this dude's delusional. Again, he's making it about himself. And he, outside of Brandon Staley's stupid play calling, and if the defense, the run defense specifically, doesn't improve, Austin Eckler is going to be the reason why this team is not going to win. And the running back situation behind Austin Eckler is not ideal. Joshua Kelly, Larry Roundtree, Isaiah Spiller, who didn't even play, the one time Larry Roundtree played, he fumbled the ball, damn, three times. And I'm not saying Austin Eckler is not valuable because obviously he is. He had 13 touchdowns. But if he's walking around believing that he's more valuable than the than all the other playmakers on the team, that's delusional. I mean, Austin Eckler, when looking at the highest paid running backs, is he even better than most of these guys? Christian McCaffrey? Nope. Alvin Kamara, nope. Dalvin Cook, nope. I would take that Dalvin Cook over Austin Eckler any days of the week because he's a bigger running back. He's physical, moves the chains, drains the clock. Derrick Henry, I'm taking Derrick Henry. Nick Chubb, I'm taking Nick Chubb. Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones, Saquon Barkley. All those running backs are better than Austin Eckler. And you know, I hate doing this because I believe every single person on this planet should earn as much money and have the financial stability as possible. But Austin Eckler is delusional. Absolutely delusional. You requested a trade. No one wanted you. You got your incentives. You got your $2 million in incentives. Get over it. You'll be a free agent next all season. And, and guess what? We'll see how many teams want you. We'll just find out and see. Because I just named a whole bunch of running backs and wide receivers, and they're all more valuable than you are. So once again, he's being Mr. Two-Face and trying to put him above the team when the Chargers have a legitimate chance of contending for the AFC Championship game. So, you know, these comments don't carry any water because the NFL is a passing league. 
it's pretty self-evident because all the money goes to wide receivers and quarterbacks and offense line. The NFL has transitioned away from pounding running backs into the dirt. Like, well, who does Austin Eckler think he is? Does he think he's Adrian Peterson? He's not even close. Comparing him to Adrian Peterson's insulting. Adrian Peterson won league MVP. Derrick Henry carries the Titans' offense on his back. Austin Eckler doesn't do that. Not even close. You can change running backs out. When Tom Brady was with the Patriots, can you name a single running back he had? No, you can't. Name any Super Bowl championship team post-Emmitt Smith, post-Adrian Peterson, who never even won a Super Bowl. Can you name a single running back from Super Bowl teams? You can't. You can't. Because the league has changed. Can you name the running back from the Kansas City Chiefs? You can't. Austin Eckler needs to shut up. And I said it before, the Chargers should make Dalvin Cook a priority because you need a slammer to finish off close games. When the passing game doesn't exist, you need a running back to plug in and plow the game away. Because the Chargers have a tough schedule. We got first game against the Dolphins, at Titans, at Vikings, Raiders, bye week, Cowboys, at Chiefs, Bears at Jets, Lions at Packers, Ravens, Patriots, Broncos, Raiders, Bills, Broncos, Chiefs. You've got to be able to run a ball to win, to win Super Bowls, but the running back is not the center of the universe like it once was. So I don't know what planet Austin Eckler is living on, but it's not planet Earth. And unfortunately for the Chargers... Dalvin Cook is probably going to end up on the Jets or the Dolphins. I would have traded Austin Eckler straight up for Dalvin Cook, along with draft picks. Whatever the Vikings wanted, I would have done it. Because Dalvin Cook's a team player and doesn't put himself first. I just think it's crazy. Now, if Austin Eckler was Derrick Henry, 6'2", 250 pounds, and was pretty much the offense and he had an average quarterback... I would be more empathetic, but I'm not because you have Justin Herbert, who's a top five quarterback in the league, and you're on a team and you're on an offense that is poised to be explosive, to be number one in the league. And then they're going off saying this crap pisses me off. It pisses me off. The crap he said during Super Bowl week, that pissed me off. And this just adds more gasoline to the fire. Maybe if you're a better running back, maybe if you had over 100 yards in more than just two games, maybe teams would want to pay you. Maybe the Chargers would want to pay you, but you're seven years in the league. No one's doing that. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Know your place. You'll be a free agent next offseason. And if some team wants you, they'll pay you, but I doubt it. You'll be sadly mistaken because we already went through this during free agency, offseason, draft. No one wanted you. Because no team wants to deal with a running back at your size that can't run between the tackles and also runs their damn mouth. Who wants that? 
Read the room. One key, one important aspect in life people should learn, and I've had to learn it before the hard way, read the room. Understand the dynamics, the temperature. Be realistic. And for Austin Eckler, being realistic is understanding that running backs are not that important anymore. They're interchangeable. They're expendable. That's why teams are cutting and drafting running backs every year. That's the fact. Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones, Tony Pollard, Josh Jacobs, they make more money than you because they're just better. Josh Jacobs of the Raiders, of the JV Raiders, he's out of t- he got franchise tagged. And he's better, he's a better overall running back. He can run between the tackles and the Raiders are like, we're not paying a running back. So this dude's delusional. He's absolutely delusional. If, if he was a wide receiver like Devontae Adams or Keenan Allen or Mike Williams and they, and, and they wanted that bag, I'm all for it. But when you're a running back in this day and age in football, when you are at best the third most important position on offense, just be quiet. Just be quiet. You're going to get paid what you're worth. And I can tell you for a fact, no NFL team, unless you're the Panthers or some, or the Texans or some bottom-tier team, they're not paying you a lot of money. Also, if you're Austin Eckler, read the room on the type of team you're on. You're on a team that can legitimately compete for an AFC title. If you want to get paid... And get traded to some crappy team like the Panthers, the Saints, or whatever, or the Texans. Go right ahead. Or the Cardinals. Go ahead. Go ahead. Le'Veon Bell. He sat out an entire year. What happened to him? Went downhill. I dare Austin Eckler to sit out the whole season because I don't believe the Chargers offense would skip a beat. It's total nonsense. There's two things in life I can't stand, and that's liars, and that's people that are, that are delusional. I can't stand it. Tunnel-visioned, self-centered delusional is sickening. And I don't want to hear about pe- Charger fans bringing up, oh, we could just sign Zeke. Kellen Moore coached him for five years. If he wanted Zeke, he would be on the roster. He would already be a charger if he was worth it. Austin Eckler is ridiculous. And people can say I'm being overreacting, irrational. No, I'm not. When you have a team that has the potential and the talent to compete for an AFC title and potentially a Super Bowl, you need to be all in. Austin Eckler's not being all in, and this will be the reason why the Chargers miss the playoffs or have an abysmal season because Mr. Two-Face can't keep his mouth shut. You had an opportunity to get paid. You had an opportunity. And you have another opportunity after the season's over, and let me know who pays you. 
Because if anyone does pay you, it'll shock me. I doubt it. But if they do, they're going to be a crappy team. When Tom Brady won a Super Bowl, the Buccaneers, can you name any of their running backs? Sure, they had Fournette, but they had a rotating cast. Absolutely ridiculous. I I don't I really don't like. I mean, if I'm Joshua Palmer or Quentin Johnson or Jalen Guyton or or Darius Davis, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, I'm looking at Austin Eckler like, what the hell is the matter with you, dude? What's the matter with you? I mean, th- th- this guy is ridiculous. He really is. It's getting on my damn nerves. And every time I try to let up and not talk about him. When I get the chance, he drops some stupid comment like he did last week. Like the Super Bowl week comment was already bad enough. This was even just right up there. And if he wants to get paid with any shot of getting paid, running your mouth like this and coming off as not a team player, not helping your situation. So again, Austin Eckler, read the room. Read the room. The NFL's environment has changed. The landscape is different. It's about quarterbacks, wide receivers, offensive line. If you have a decent offensive line, you can run the ball with an average running back. And also, if you want to get paid, keep your damn mouth shut and be a team player. I think the Chargers have a legitimate chance to be AFC contenders based on the roster makeup and the talent on offense, Austin Eckler is going to be the ending of them. He is going to be the reason why they either have a bad season or an absolute implosion because he can't keep his mouth shut. He got his incentives. He got his incentives that he wanted. And he was like, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Nope, right on schedule. He's running his damn mouth again. I don't trust the guy anymore. I don't trust him. Because the stats and the facts don't back it up. If running backs were were at a premium and they were mandated and required, I wouldn't. it wouldn't bother me. But they're not. And also, he's running his mouth after having pathetic performances. Two games over 100 yards, and he played like garbage in the in the wild card game. Total BS. I don't like it. And I don't care what other Charger fans have to say about this. They always make up excuses for him. No. If you're trying to be serious contenders, you can't have malcontents in the locker room. And Austin Eckler, he's being a malcontent. He's being a self-centered asshole, and I don't like it. So every time he comes out and says, oh, we're all good, bro. Yeah, there's nothing wrong here. We're all cool. We're all, we're all in on competing for a Super Bowl. No, you're not. You can't help yourself. You have to make a stupid, asinine comment on how... It's ridiculous that the third wide receiver makes more money than I do. Because wide receivers matter more. That's the way it works. This isn't the 1980s. This isn't, this isn't the early 2000s when running backs were a much bigger deal. It's 2023. 
Get your head out of the sand. This is total, and it makes me sick because this team has a legitimate shot to compete for a championship, compete for an AFC title, and here he is running his damn mouth. And I have to waste the first part of my show talking about this joker complaining about how much money he isn't or is making. Do you want to win? Do you want to compete for a Super Bowl or not? Do you want to win and take off the Chiefs, dethrone the Chiefs in the AFC West, or do you not? Because you have a great opportunity to do that, and you're pissing it away with your stupid comments. Makes me sick. And there's plenty of other people on the on the organization that piss me off, from Dean Spanos to Brandon Staley, and Austin Eckler's he's, he's surpassing them right now because it's ridiculous. What else do you want Tom Telesco to do? Give you a $15 million contract? You'd be an, an, an idiot to do it. Because the average shelf life for a running back is two and a half years. And if they give you a big time contract, the odds are you're going to hit the wall. So why would, it, why would a team do that? And then on top of it, they add sprinkles on top of it. You don't keep your mouth shut. So why would they pay you? Why would they pay you? I sure damn wouldn't. Maybe if you weren't running your damn mouth every other week, maybe I would, wouldn't mind it. But you do. It makes it 20 times worse. And makes it And it makes your comments way way worse and it makes your gripe look pathetic because it doesn't carry water all right so switching gears the projected teams in the AFC are the Bills the Dolphins Jets Ravens Broncos which is ridiculous Jaguars, that other team. So I'm going to go down the list of all those teams that I just listed. And I'm going to explain why the Chargers are better than those teams. And the Chiefs are not on there because, of, without a respect, they've won the AFC, what, seven years in a row, whatever it is now, makes me sick. So I'm not going to sit here and try to make that argument, but even though I could make a legitimate argument, both games last season, the Chargers should have won. Asante Samuel Jr. had three interceptions taken away because the referees cheated their way through it. And then Justin Herbert leads the Chargers on a game-winning touchdown drive of a minute and a half left in the game, and the defense can't stop anyone. And they leave Travis Kelsey wide-ass open. So, number one here, the Bills. The Chargers are better than the Bills because the Bills, if you haven't heard recently, have locker room issues. Stephon Diggs is pissed off. The head coach blowing issues out of proportion. And quite frankly, is Josh Allen that much better than Justin Herbert? Nah, I can't say it. Can't really say it. And you can bring up, well, he's won a playoff game. Well, congrats. You barely beat the Dolphins. But every single time... 
Josh Allen's in a big-time situation, whether against the Chiefs or AFC Championship games or whatever, big-time playoff games, home playoff game against the Bengals, he wets the bed every single time. And the Chargers, from a pure talent standpoint, offense, defense, special teams, the Chargers have a better roster. They got better wide receivers. They got the Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Darius Davis, Quentin Johnston, Jalen Guyton. Better offensive line. Trey Pipkins, Rashawn Slater, the best left tackle in football. I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced. I hear all these talking heads talk about Josh Allen's second best quarterback in the AFC or second best quarterback in the league. Is he? I don't think so. Justin Herbert has at best, at worst, same level of, same level of arm talent. I can make the argument it's better better accuracy, better pocket presence, and just a better overall leader. Better overall leader. Number two, Dolphins. The Dolphins have a lot of speed, offensive-driven head coach. I like the head coach, but Tua is a liability. He wasn't very good against the Chargers. He had one of the worst QBR ratings in league history. But it's pathetic. The one touchdown he had was a lucky Fumble and pick up by Tyree Kill. Outside of that, Tua was garbage. And he's also a liability from an injury standpoint. He might be one or two hits away from being out of the league. Not Tua's fault. Also, look at his arm. Arm strength's not very good. Under-throwing balls. Over-throwing guys. Under-throwing guys. Defense. People bring up, oh, well, they got Jalen Ramsey. They got this guy, Christian Wilkins. Chargers got Duran James. They got Khalil Mack. They got Joey Boza. They got a good defense. Sante Samuel Jr. Got J.C. Jackson coming back off injury. Chargers defense, is it really that much worse than the Dolphins? At, at worst, it's the same. Number three, Jets. Oh, boy, this is a classic. Oh, man, the media and the East Coast biased media talking about how they love the Jets. Aaron Rodgers, oh, got to turn the Jets around. Is he really? He's up in age. He's beat up. Play like crap in the last three playoff games. Got beat by the Buccaneers. Wet the bed against the Jimmy Garoppolo-led 49ers and got beat by the Lions in a home playoff game. Is, is Aaron Rodgers still that guy? Sure, I, I get it. He has MVPs, has the accolades, the Super Bowl, but that was a long time ago. Is he still that guy? Is he really still one of the top five quarterbacks in the league? Not sure about that. The head coach is also a question. Is he really that? Did they have a great young roster? Defense, a lot of talented players. Quinnen Williams. Where's the results? Where's the results? But there, you know, there's a lot of media overhype. And are, are they even the best team in their division? They got the Bills and the Dolphins sitting there. So can we pump the brakes? Can we pump the brakes on the Jets? And I get it. The media wants the Jets to be great. They want one of the New York teams to be great. They want Aaron Rodgers to make headlines and be Broadway, Aaron. Can we just slow down on the on the Jets? It's ridiculous. Can they make the playoffs first? Can they even have a chance to win their division? That's not very clear to me. Number four, Ravens. 
Lamar Jackson, outside of Justin Herbert and outside of Cam Newton, is one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch. He's a generational talent. He's outstanding. He can run the ball. He can throw the ball. The Ravens have one of the top running attacks. They have a top defense every single year. They added wide receivers. They got OBJ. The media's, they got a new coordinator. The media is sort of hyping them up a little bit. There, there's a lot of high expectations for Odo Beckham Jr. to come in and change the passing attack. For And I have a good friend that's a Ravens fan. He hear him every single week. Oh, my gosh. Our wide receivers suck. The coordinator sucks. I, I agree with him. The offensive passing game was abysmal. But can we just pump the brakes about OBJ? Can we see him play an entire season healthy before we jump to this conclusion that the Ravens offense is going to just take off? I mean, from, from a talent standpoint, the Chargers stack up very well on offense. They're probably better on offense. You have you have the quarterback position, which, uh, at, at, you know, I'll give him this. Lamar Jackson has an MVP. I'm not going to have a come apart if someone says Lamar Jackson's better. I think they're equal. But wide receiver, they're better. You have Mike Williams, Keenan Allen. You have Quentin Johnston. You have Joshua Palmer. You have Jalen Guyton. You have Donald Parham and Gerald Everett at tight end. You have a better offensive line. Corey Lindsey, the best center in football. Rashawn Slater. Defense, I'll give the Ravens the edge, but hey, the Chargers are not, are not that far behind. They got Duran James, one of the best defensive players in football. I think he's the best, definitely the best safety in football. And then you add in Eric Kendricks. You have Khalil Mack. You can still play at a high level. Hopefully Joey Boza avoids the injury bug and refocuses his desire to win. The Chargers, talent-wise, they add up. So I don't think the Ravens are clear-cut better than the Chargers. So, you know, and I get it. The media wants the Ravens to play well. They want the offense to change. And also the Odo Beckham Jr. hype. But let's relax. Let's see if he can stay healthy. Let's see. That's a major question. Can he stay healthy? Teams were interested at at the end of last season, but there were concerns over his injury. And that's a legitimate question to ask. Let's see if Odo Beckham Jr. can make it past eight games, 10 games, 12 games. Let's see if he can play an entire season. All right, number five, Broncos. I don't even know why the Broncos are even a projected playoff team. It's an absolute joke that they're even in the conversation. Russell Wilson, as I predicted to my friends, Last season, Russell Wilson's washed. And I'm not saying he's not talented. He can make plays, let Russ cook. But let's make sure we walk through the history of Russell Wilson accurately. When he won the Super Bowl, his only Super Bowl, what was the reason why? Legion of Boom, Marshawn Lynch. That was the reason. And it was essentially Russell Wilson, get out of the way. Second Super Bowl. Against the Patriots when he lost. Oh, oh wait, oh yeah, they lost because of, oh what? Russell Wilson threw a stupid pass that got picked off when they should have ran the ball. We hear all the rumblings and stories coming out of the Broncos locker room. 
Russell Wilson wanted his own plane. He wanted his own office. He wanted no one to talk to him. There was blow-ups on the sideline. Fans are frustrated with the wide receiver core. The defense is talented. I'll give him that. One of the best in the league. Wide receivers, Jerry, Judy's been underwhelming. They got, they got talent there, but they haven't performed well. Can the Broncos represent some competence in offense first? And this whole idea Sean Payton's just going to turn around like that? I don't know about that. Russell Wilson's beat up and he's up there in age. I think what we saw last season when they went 5-12 and 12 is what we're going to get. We're going to get a below average quarterback with a terrible QBR rating. I believe that's where we're heading. So, you know, ESPN and all these mainstream sports networks trying to hype up the Broncos. It's a, it's a joke. They were a joke. They were an embarrassment last season. They were pathetic on offense. They have arguably one of the best defenses in the league, and they play like crap. T- people were frustrated. I don't know. I, I don't think the Broncos are a, a playoff team, but I threw them in here anyway because Vegas is obsessed with them. ESPN's obsessed. It's a, I don't get it. All right, number six. That other team, the Jaguars, I try to avoid saying that name. And I'll give them credit. They've won that wild card game in the playoff. They deserve credit. But if the Chargers and Joe Lombardi's stupid offense, he's the worst offensive coordinator in football history, if they could have just milked the clock away and Austin Eckler didn't suck, Mike Williams didn't get hurt in the last game of the season, the Chargers would have won that game. They should have won that game. They had great field position, but the offensive coordinator wet the bed. The whole team wet, wet the bed. Justin Herbert wet the bed. If the whole team didn't fold up like a lawn chair, they would have won that game easily. Asante Samuel Jr. was having a great game. He had three interceptions. We should have won that game going away, but the Jags have a talented team. Trevor Lawrence, I believe, is a very good quarterback. They're still works in progress with the offense. Offense line has a lot of question marks. They do have Calvin Ridley. And they also play in an easy division, so they should make the playoffs. I mean, you're up against the Titans with a below-average quarterback, and they're playing musical chairs, Will Levis, or who is it, a quarterback? Texans are a long ways away. They could be great or good in the future. The Colts... Who knows what you're going to get with them. They, they drafted the quarterback, Anthony Richardson. We'll see what he turns into be. That was kind of a flabbergasting pick. And outside of that, that, that division is not very competitive. So I'll get the Jaguars a chance, but I think talent-wise, the Chargers have the better roster, better defense, better quarterback, better offense. The question is, can the Chargers run the football to finish off close games? They couldn't do it in that wild card game. If they could, they would have won that game. We would, we would have beaten that team. That comeback would have never happened. And that abysmal, despicable performance in the second half would have never taken place. And let's not, and let's not forget in that game to get into the playoffs, last regular season game against the Titans, the, the Jags got lucky. Joshua Dobbs was a quarterback, and the Titans were right there to finish him off, and they couldn't do it. 
So let's not act like the Jaguars are some unbeatable, untouchable force that can't be knocked off. So that's my list. I believe the Chargers are better than the Bills. I believe they're better than the Dolphins. They're better, they're better than the Jets. They're better than the Ravens. They're better than the Broncos. And they're better than the Jags. They just are. And you can call me a homer all you want, but whatever. I'm taking the Chargers. Roster, quarterback, defense. At worst, they're on the same level, but I think in most cases, they are better. All right, so switching gears, there's a lot of noise with Scoot Henderson and Victor Wimbanyama for Rookie of the Year. And I believe Scoot Henderson is going to win Rookie of the Year. He's a world-class point guard. He's old school. He has a little bit of Kimba Walker jump shooting. He has Chris Paul sprinkled in. He has Russell Westbrook's body. He plays with Westbrook's aggressiveness, but it's under control. I believe it's going to be great. Played in the G League. Understands U.S. professional basketball. Scoot Henderson is going to be talented. And I've said it over and over again. If you would have gone to college and played with Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler at Auburn, they would have won a national championship. That team of Jabari Smith, Walker Kessler, and Scoot Henderson, they would have won the championship. They would have been the best team in that season because that Auburn team was very talented, but they were missing a point guard. Scoot Henderson, he can operate an offense like no one's business. Averages eight assists a game, 15 points a game in the G League. Really talented. Winby is without a question Ultra talented, seven foot five, but European basketball is much different. And the position of, of center is on a different landscape than point guard, shooting guard, and small forward. Like Luca is not an athletic freak by any measure, but he can score the basketball. Jokic and Giannis, they took a few years to develop with zero pressure. Look at the past NBA Rookie of the Year award winners. Paolo Bancaro, power forward. Scotty Barnes, small forward. LaMelo Ball, point guard. John Morant, guard. Luka Doncic, guard. Ben Simmons, forward. Malcolm Brogdon, guard. Carl Anthony Towns, forward. Andrew Wiggins, forward. Michael Carter-Williams, guard. Damian Lillard, guard. Kyrie Irving, point guard. Centers don't usually have immediate impacts a few years in the league. And with his size and how skinny he is at 7 foot 5, 215 pounds, he needs to gain some weight. Needs to gain some weight. And the problem is the media has not done Winby any justice. They they're labeling him as the best as the best draft prospect in NBA history, one of the best young athletes in sports history, it's an absolute joke. It's going to take a few years. The Spurs and the Blazers are, are, are years away from being legitimate playoff contenders. I think the Blazers are a little closer. I mean, like, the Western Conference is loaded top to bottom. Kings, Timberwolves, Rockets, Mavericks. 
Grizzlies, Thunder, Pelicans. Those are just the bottom tier teams. Not even mentioning Nuggets, Lakers, Suns, Warriors, and Clippers. The Spurs need to build a system around Wimby. Veteran point guard, shooters. That's why Greg Popovich signed a five-year extension. They traded for campaign, who was decent with the Phoenix Suns, ran the second unit. Not ideal. I think a Chris Paul-type point guard would work better. They got a young roster, Trey Jones, Devontae Graham. This is not a great team. Devin Vassell, Reggie Bullock, Keldon Johnson. They have, they're a long ways to go. They need a veteran point guard, and they need some more veteran leadership, and maybe they'll flip Reggie Bullock at the trade deadline. He's a pretty good trade asset. But this idea that Wimby's going to win you know, rookie of the year, he may not even play 60 games. The Spurs have a load management system. And with guys over seven foot five or even or over seven foot in general, injuries are a major concern. Look at Joel Embiid. He's one of the top five players in the league. He's banged up every every postseason. Lower body injuries are a big deal. Total, 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 total big deal. And no one in the mainstream sports media is taking that into consideration. Like this idea that Wimby's going to come in and average 30 a game and turn into Kevin Durant. Let's pump the brakes. Teams are going to rough him up. Look at the Western Conference. Timberwolves, they got, they got tough players. Rockets, Mavericks, Grizzlies. Marcus Smart's going to come right for him. Thunder. You don't think the Nuggets are going to throw the kitchen sink at Wimby? The Lakers? The Phoenix Suns? Warriors? Clippers? Paul George? Kawhi? Ever heard of those guys? So, I think people need to pump the brakes. History doesn't, add, doesn't suggest that European players or centers in general, if you're not named Shaq, you're not taking over the league in your first year. Scoot Henderson is a Old, classic point guard that has a jump shot, can attack the basket, get to the foul line, has great point guard vision, has Rondo passing ability, has Chris Paul's creativity, has Westbrook's physicality and desire, and he played in the G League for two years. He understands United States basketball. And you're in Europe, no disrespect, sure, he went up against veterans, but it's a slower-paced game. The NBA's fast. There's fast teams. The Kings have one of the fastest offenses in the league. Nuggets, one of the best offenses in the league. Lakers, LeBron, AD, Suns, Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Warriors, Stephen Curry, Klay Thompson, Clippers, Paul George, Kawhi. What's what's slower roll here? The Houston Rockets are in a, are in a much better position, adding veteran players like Fred VanVleet. Not a big fan of Dylan Brooks, but they added a veteran players. The Spurs is gonna take a while. 
It's going to take a while, and he needed to get into the weight room, get bigger. I mean, Giannis came over to the U.S., and he was skinny. Took him a couple years. Took him four to five years. No one heard about him. Jokic, one in the greatest shape, still not in the greatest shape. Took him a while to get his passing ability up, build a system. The Spurs have to build a system. And Cameron Payne's not a bad start at point guard, but a more pass-friendly organized point guard would be better. Because campaign, I hate to say it, no disrespect, he's the type of point guard you want coming off the bench, not starting. And for the Blazers, the Damian Lillard trade to the Heat, speed it up. Build around Scoot Henderson and Shaden Sharp. Figure out Jeremy Grant's future. Figure out Nurkic's future. Collect the draft picks. Build a young foundation. What are you waiting for? That trade still hasn't happened. I know the front office and the Blazers wants to play hardball. It's going to take a few months. You got your future in the building. Scoot Henderson's going to be very, very good. He's going to be the rookie of the year. He showed you in, in a one summer league game what he's all about. I mean, 18, 17 points in the first quarter, pretty damn good. Pretty damn good. Playmaking. Understands U.S. basketball. Fast. Like So, so this notion that it's going to, when B's going to be turnkey ready, no. He'll be good. Do I think he'll be the best NBA player in league history? No. That's not real. Maybe he could, but expecting having that as a measuring stick is unfair. So the Spurs build a system. Blazers complete the Damian Lillard trade. Set the foundation. Let Scoot Henderson have full control over the roster. Let him lead the team. Stop playing. Stop playing hardball. It's not worth it. NBA stars get their way. That's the way the league works. Whether you like it or not, it's the fact. And it's also a fact European centers take a while to develop. Like, I, I, I don't understand what people are thinking when they say, yeah, he'll be Shaq his rookie year. Shaq averaged 23 a game, 10 rebounds. Wimby's not doing that, not even close to his physical shape. Shaq played in college for two to three years. Wimby's about to get, get his first taste of U.S. basketball. First game, he, he had he was two for 13, nine points. Second game, he had 27 points, but he was still look lost. He was slow. Give him time to develop. Give Greg Popovich and the Spurs organization, they're smart, they're organized, they understand how to treat foreign players, Tony Parker, Tim Duncan, Manu. They got a system. Give them a chance to install a system and let Wimby grow into his NBA body. He's not going to be an MVP overnight. It's just not realistic. All right, so switching gears. Will LeBron James leave the Lakers after this season to play with Bronny? And before I get into the rest of this, or before I get into answering the question, 
LeBron James was never going to retire. Total media manipulation. He got swept by the Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals. Scored 40 points in a game four. Played all 48 minutes. Wanted to change a narrative. Great job of doing that. I said it back when it happened. LeBron's not retiring in that old act he pulled at the ESPYs. Was total BS. Anyone that believed he was legitimately retiring doesn't understand basketball. So let me get that out of the way. And also he wants to play with Bronny, who I don't know if people have realized. Bronny James, he's I'm not convinced he's gonna be good enough to be one and done at USC. Just eight months ago, he was ranked 50th in recruiting rankings. He jumped to 20th mainly because of media hype and his dad is, oh wait, LeBron James. I mean, look at you look at the recruiting rankings. USC has a talented team coming in. Isaiah Collier, the number one overall recruit going to USC point guard, six foot four, 205 pounds. Bronny's a point guard himself. Is he going to start at USC? I'm not convinced of that either. USC has a loaded roster, and Bronny shot up the rankings late because of media hype and his dad, his dad's influence. Can we stop? If you watch Bronny James and his high school teams, his high school clips, he's not even the best team on. He's not even the best player on his team. So this hype that Bronny's going to be one and done in the NBA and all looking at these mock drafts, can we stop it? He's not even the best player in his college team. Isaiah Collier is going to be really, really good. He'll be one and done. He might be the number one overall pick. But this notion that Bronny James is going to come in and dominate college basketball and be some superstar is ridiculous. And also, does LeBron James really want to hop around to random teams that are bottom of the barrel, like the Magic, Raptors, Hawks, or some team that's either middle of the road or tanking? That's embarrassing. It's different situations, but Michael Jordan, the Michael Jordan haters, they point to his time with the Wizards as a player slash GM. It was kind of a joke. I didn't like it. I didn't like Michael Jordan playing for the Wizards. He retired and came back. Was out of shape. That averaged 20 a game, but it was just kind of like, what are you doing? Like, is LeBron James, if Bronny goes, let's say, I don't know, top five. Is he going to play for the Wizards? Is LeBron going to play for the Pistons? Is LeBron going to play for the Spurs? Is he going to play for the Hornets? Is he going to play for the Bulls? Is he going to play for the Rockets? Is he going to play for the Blazers, Hawks? I mean, the, the recent NBA mock drafts have Bronny going 20th to the Milwaukee Bucks. Do the Milwaukee Bucks even want Bronny James? With Giannis in his prime still? When they're competing for NBA championships? No. LeBron should just finish out his time with the Lakers. Retire as a Laker. I don't like this whole idea of LeBron trying to attract attention to his 
kid by trying to play basketball with them. And sure, does it sound like a storybook ending, but does LeBron even want that? Does he even want to play with his dad? I love my parents, but am I trying to work in the same place as them? No. Because it's awkward. It's brought in because, you know, when you're a young adult in the workforce, you want to go out and have drinks with your coworkers or go out with your friends. Having your father or mother looking over your shoulder doing X, Y, and Z. I want to build my own path. I don't want stuff handed to me. Does Bronny even want to play with his dad? And I'm pretty, I assume they've had this conversation, but it just seems a little surprising to me that he would want to do that. And I get it. LeBron wants to play with his son, but I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like these NBA stars ring chasing at the end of their career. Like, I didn't like Shaq jumping from the Heat to the Suns, Cavaliers, and Celtics. It was embarrassing. The Suns only got him because he's wanted some attraction to pair of Steve Nash at the end of his career. The Cavaliers added him as an attraction. Dumping a contract. Celtics, same thing. Like, Shaq, what are you doing? You played five minutes in the playoffs. Alonzo Mourning joined the Heat in 2006. Worked out for him, but he was out of shape, washed. And I have total respect for Alonzo Mourning. He's a Miami Heat great. Charles Barkley demanded a trade to the Rockets to win a championship at the, at the end of his career. Didn't work out. Carmelo and Gary Payton teaming up with Shaq and Kobe on the Lakers in, 20, in 2003. Kind of embarrassing. Carl Malone was 40 years old. He needed, he needed to retire. Gary Payton was up there in age too. Steve Nash and Dwight Howard in 2012 with the Lakers. Dwight Howard wasn't washed. Steve Nash was, and that was a disaster. So does LeBron want to be remembered of joining the Milwaukee Bucks coming off the bench at age 40? Plung of the sun? Or playing with the Oklahoma City Thunder? Or the Raptors and the Magic? Does LeBron want that? Is that what he wants? It's hard for me to believe. But knowing LeBron, knowing his media manipulation, his desire to be a an, an attention whore, which is what he is, with lack of a better words, LeBron's an attention whore. He likes the attention. In 2010, when he took his talents to Miami, he had the, the decision on ESPN. He wanted that attention. He wanted that media microscope. When he, when he left to go back to Cleveland, releases an entire Sports Illustrated article. Note. When he took his talents to the Lakers, he had planes following him. Helicopters. He had it all up there. He's on Twitter talking about how the team's top-heavy. He's making comments all the time. And then he had his just BS crap he pulled at the end of the Western Conference Finals when he said, eh, I'm not sure how much longer I want to do this. And then he goes on the ESPYs and says, I'm back. <laughs> Lucky for you. I mean, and listen, I have total respect for LeBron James on the top five players of all time. But dude, cut it. I don't, I don't need you shoving your content down my throat. You don't need it. You're a great player on by yourself. 
just by yourself. And listen, I don't count Space Jam as an attention-grabbing, you know, moment. You can make the argument for it because it's like, dude, Michael Jordan already did this. Why are you remaking it? But let your play and your off-the-court endeavors, let it speak for itself. You don't need to go on ESPN and the ESPYs and announce that you're coming back. You're never retiring. It's great for media clicks, good for Twitter clicks, Instagram likes. I don't like it. And quite frankly, I don't like LeBron considering playing with his son. I don't like it either. I think it's cheap. Let your son navigate through the NBA on his own. Let him get through college. He might be a four-year player at college. Like I just noted, he's not even the best player on that roster. Isaiah Collier is going to be really, really good. He's the number one overall recruit for a reason. Best point guard in the nation. Bronny's a point guard himself. Is he going to start? He's probably going to come off the bench. And he was the 50th ranked player in high school basketball. He jumped the 19th because of his dad being LeBron. So I think people need to be honest with themselves and avoid the hype that BSPN and all these major networks are throwing on this kid. Back off. I mean, good grief. The kid had an opportunity to go to Oregon, Ohio State, all these other places, chooses to stay local, go to USC. It's like, well, so his dad can watch him play. Be the center of attention. And I'm not trying to be a LeBron hater. And I understand he wants to be a good parent, but, you know, we've all had that, had those moments in college as a young adult where you're like, all right, parents, let's, put, let's draw the line in the sand, keep some space, move out of the house, let me figure it out, you know, I'll ask for advice when needed. It's ridiculous. So I don't like it. I don't like LeBron throwing this idea on his son that well I'm gonna play with him I'm gonna play a couple of years with him yeah sure are you really gonna go to the box and play with him do the box even want that like do these NBA teams that drop draft brawny do they want to deal with the LeBron circus that comes to town because it's a media it's a media hellstorm just Rockets Blazers Hawks T Wolves Jazz Spurs Raptors Pacers do they want to deal with it? And also, is LeBron going to the Pacers? Seriously. LeBron, he's Mr. Hollywood. He went to Miami. He went to Cleveland because he's from there. He's not spending time willingly with the Pacers. He's not living in Milwaukee. He's not living in Toronto that he rebranded the place before Kawhi got there. It was nicknamed LeBronto. Is he really going to go there? It's ridiculous. I, I don't get it. I don't get these athletes, Shaq, Carl Malone, Gary Payton, Charles Barkley, Alonzo Mourning, Steve Nash, jumping around the different teams. I don't like it. Do I, I, I didn't like when Michael Jordan did it. I don't like it at all because like, it just diminishes your value and it turns into a disaster. 
like Shaq with the Cavaliers, Suns, and Celtics with a shell of himself. Seeing LeBron playing with Braun and getting his dream come true. I don't want to see him on the Pacers looking ridiculous. I don't want to see him on the Rockets looking ridiculous. LeBron, play it smart. Play the rest of your career on the Lakers. That's where you wanted to go. You left the Cavaliers to go there. You want to live out there. You want to be near Hollywood. You want to be in the mecca of entertainment. Stay with the Lakers. Retire as a Laker. Don't retire as a Pacer or as a Milwaukee Buck. This is weird to me. And it's also, it's like, Bronny may not even be one and done. He might be a four-year player. Because I'm not convinced talent-wise he's that good. The only reason why he was even ranked was because of his dad. Listen to any college basketball recruiting expert, and they think Bronny has a first-round draft pick and a top-20 recruit is a joke. And it is a joke if you actually watch him play. Just, is this, uh, it's like, dude, like, what are we doing? And the media just makes it even worse. They add more and more pressure on this kid to live up to the LeBron James stature and, you know, framework that's going to be hard to beat. All right, so switching gears. The college football season is around the corner, and, you know, quite frankly, I don't cover a lot of college football. I believe the playoff system's crappy. It's zapped a lot of the desire and excitement out of it. Like, I think the football committee, the playoff committee is a train wreck. It's absolutely stupid. They should have a set guidelines. They should have a set criteria. It's a mess. Having a bunch of athletic directors, former head coaches and presidents, university presidents as the CEOs. It's it's stupid. There's bias. Let the teams on the field decide who's going to be in the playoff. Like have a set playoff criteria. If you win your conference championship, you're in. If you have one loss and you finish second place in the play in your conference, you're in. So I don't cover a lot of college football because of that reason. It's hard to watch. The playoff ruins it. But Deion Sanders starts his first season at Colorado after transforming Jackson State into a legitimate college football program, going 11-2 and and 12-1. and And he takes over a Colorado program that has potential but is in the same category as Kansas, Northwestern, Vanderbilt, and Virginia. Programs that are either up and down or consistently a dumpster fire. Colorado, in the last 10 years, their best record was 10-4 in 2016. Since that point, they've gone 5-7, 5 7, 5 7, 5 7, 4 2, 4 8, 1 11. And before that, they went 4 9, 2 10, 4 8, 1 11, 3 10. This is a losing football program. 
They have an overall record of 666 wins, 509 losses. It's not a good football program. So he definitely has his work cut out for him. But the Dion effect, prime time, reshaping the culture, had the most transfers in college football, brand new roster, top-notch head coaching staff. And recruiting-wise, Colorado is 30th. One five-star recruit, three four-star recruits. Name the last time Colorado had a single five-star recruit. Three four-star recruits is ridiculous. Shador Sanders is going to be really, really good. He's a play, mock drafts have him, have him as a first-round pick, top-notch quarterback, dual threat. He would have probably would have won the Heisman Trophy if he was eligible because Jackson State's not Division One. Travis Hunter is a ridiculous two-way athlete. NIL expands the reach. And also, if you're a top cornerback, safety, defensive player, you want to go play for Dion? I'm playing for Dion. You'll learn from the best. I mean, he took Travis Hunter, our two-way athlete, away from Florida State to go to Jackson State. Unbelievable. It's the Dion prime time effect that's going to be intriguing to watch. And also, Dion, he's in the Pac-12 a conference that has lost its mojo over the last 20 years. Ever since USC was dominating the league, it's been wide open. Stanford, Oregon, Washington, USC, and Utah winning the conference in the last 10 years. Looking at Colorado's schedule, I see 6-7 to seven wins. At home against Nebraska. Nebraska's rebuilding, new head coach, they're a dumpster fire themselves. That could be a win. At home against Colorado State, win. At Arizona State, train wreck. NCAA sanctions, mess. Herm Edwards left him in a train wreck. I'm taking Colorado. At home against Stanford, Stanford's a dumpster fire. David Shaw retired. There's no direction. I'm picking Colorado, Arizona. Both Arizona schools are a train wreck. I'm taking Colorado over Arizona. And at Washington State, Washington State get into a shootout game, Pac-12 Classic, 51-45, Shador Sanders making plays, Travis Hunter making plays. Get into these shootouts, Colorado is going to have a legitimate chance. These high-scoring Pac-12 games, no defense, Shador and Travis Hunter, making key plays. I mean, I was tempted to pick Colorado over USC, but strong run games beat Lincoln Riley coach teams, Georgia, Utah twice last year, Clemson, Alabama. I don't think Colorado has a run game yet. They don't have that star big-time running back. But I think Colorado can win six to seven games. The Pac-12 is up and down get into these crazy shootouts, they got a chance. And when you have a top-level top quarterback, first-round pick caliber quarterback, you got a shot in every one of these games. So, and I get it, most of these college football experts have Colorado going four wins. I think Deion Sanders and, and his impact, his 
old school coaching style, hard nose. I think they could win six, seven games. And the Pac-12, with that conference losing its mojo, it's in shambles, wide open. They got a legitimate chance. College football is a train wreck. One, If you're not Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, these top tier programs, you're not, you're not, you're not sharpie didn't win a championship. If you're not Georgia and that defense and that recruiting machine, no one is a legitimate contender. You're not, you can't sharpie any team in. Now I'm not saying Colorado is going to win the Pac-12, but this idea that Colorado can't grab a few upsets, couple close games, I think it's I think it's legitimate. I think it's a perfectly reasonable take to have Colorado winning six to seven games. And I think if Colorado wins six to seven games, has a good season, I think Deion Sanders should be a legitimate head coaching candidate for top-tier programs. Florida State, Texas A&M. If Jimbo Fisher has one more bad season, five wins, eight wins, he's going to get canned. Oklahoma, Texas, talented rosters, storied programs. If they have another six, seven win season, Steve Sarkeesian, Brent Venables might be out the door. Florida State, you don't think Florida State's going to want to like send back saying Mike Norvell or Deion Sanders. Deion, Deion Sanders played at Florida State, best player ever to come out of Florida State. You don't think Florida State, if they're serious about competing with that recruiting magnet, they would dominate the state of Florida in recruiting. He's a hard news, recruiting magnet, NIL, forming a winning culture, formed one at Jackson State, old school head coach, doesn't fool around. He's clear cut, honest. A blue blood program is going to come knocking on his door. And I think it's going to happen this upcoming season. Now, long term, if I'm Alabama, Nick Saban's getting up there in age. And five years, five years maybe, two to four years, if I'm Alabama, I'm sitting back and I'm thinking about Deion Sanders. Imagine Nick Saban to Deion, prime time. Alabama football, if you understand it, I grew up in the state of Alabama. I grew up in that Iron Bowl rivalry. I grew up in SEC country. Alabama football is about winning. They got 18 championships for a reason. Bear Bryant, Gene Stallings, Nick Saban. They want championship-level head coaches. NFL factory. That foundation is already in place. You don't think Deion Sanders can take the keys and keep running that ship straight down course? This notion that Alabama's going to hire Dabo Sweeney or Lane Kiffin, they're not hiring those goofballs. They're going to hire someone with a big name that has a proven track record of winning championships, being a culture-changing player. Deion Sanders is that guy. He can walk into any room and convince any parent that, hey, 
I've turned Jackson State around. I've turned Colorado around. This is Alabama. I was the best cornerback in NFL history. Playmaker. Prime time. You want to play with me? You want to be coached by me? I'll get you to the NFL. So if I'm Alabama, and I'm transitioning from Nick Saban to Deion Sanders, I'm thinking about it. If I'm Florida State, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Texas, and I want to keep that Manning kid, Archie Manning, whatever his name is, I'm thinking about it. Oklahoma, storied program. Six, seven wins is not acceptable. Florida State, any top-tier program should be legitimately considering Deion Sanders. Dude, the recruit, imagine the recruiting he could do at Alabama. Imagine the recruiting he could do at Texas A&M. With all that money, with all that SEC Texas money, Oklahoma, who else would you want going into the SEC? Deion Sanders. He's proven he can build a coaching staff. He can turn guys away from big programs. Took Travis Hunter away, especially especially in the NIL time period. Dion, whew, selling out spring games at Colorado. It's a big deal. I think he'll be at a blue blood program at the latest two to three years. I think it, I think it has a great opportunity to happen this upcoming offseason. And if I'm these big programs and I feel stuck in the mud, losing momentum, I want to ignite some energy and fire. Dion, Dion's that guy. So I think in his first season, six to seven wins, pretty reasonable. With his influence, with the prime time effect, Colorado's going to be in for some excitement, and I think college football should be excited. And I look forward to watching it throughout the season. All righty. That is it for this edition of Opinions All Day. I will see you guys next time.